Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob. I'm reading today from those sovereignty sermons of Charles Spurgeon that we started a long time ago. We started yesterday one called Distinguishing Grace. It was delivered February 6, 1859 at New Park Street Chapel, Southwark, London, England. And he used as his text, if you recall, for whom maketh thee to differ from another, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, or as it is in the Greek, for who distinguisheth thee, who giveth thee distinguishing and discriminating mercy, who maketh thee to differ from another. We begin part two now. What upholds the rest of us from being what these my reclaimed brethren once were? And what they will become again, unless saving grace keeps them. What preserves the preacher this day from being a, a lecturer to infidels, dishonoring the grace of God, which now he glorifies to magnify? What prevents the deacon from being an assistant in the courts of Satan? What forbids those who open the doors at the house of our God and who serve on the Sabbath day from being doorkeepers in the tents of the sons of Belial. Why, nothing. They would have been there unless grace had prevented them. Grace hath done it, and nothing else. When we pass a prostitute in the street, we say, Oh, poor creature, I can pity you. I have not a harsh word for you, for I had been as you are if God had not preserved me. And when you see the reeling drunkard, be not too hasty to condemn. Recollect you were a beast before God, if the Lord had not kept you. And, and when you hear the oath, someone swearing, and, and you shudder at it, imagine not that, that you are superior in yourself to the man who curses God, for perhaps you once cursed him too. And certainly you would have done that had not the Holy Spirit sanctified you and implanted in you a hatred of that which the wicked so greedily follow. Have you seen a man hanged for murder? Have you seen another transported for the most infamous of crimes? If you hear of one who sins against society so foully that mankind excommunicates him, just pause and say, Oh, but I should have gone as low as that. I should have been as black as he, unless restraining grace had kept me back in my unregeneracy, and unless constraining grace had pushed me forward in the heavenly race ever since I have known the will of Jesus. And now we will pause again and we'll think over another evil which stares us in the face in connection with every church, there are most melancholy cases of backsliding in so large a church as this. We are compelled often to discover the character of men and women who once seemed fair for heaven, but who manifested that they never had the root of the matter in them. Oh, well did the poet say, when any turn from Zion's way, alas, what numbers do. No trial is greater to the true minister than the apostasy of his flock. All the rage of men is quite unable to bring tears to our eyes, but this has done it. Alas, when those whom I have loved 
have turned aside from the way of God, when those who have sat with us at the same table and have joined with us in church communion have gone out from us and have brought dishonor upon the church and upon the name of Christ, there has been woe, woe in my inmost spirit. Sometimes there are cases as glaring as they are painful and as vile as they are grievous. Some of those who were ones in the midst of God's sanctuary have become drunkards and whoremongers. And God in heaven only knows what. They have sinned against everything that is seemly as well as everything that is holy. At the recollection of these, our eyes are filled with tears. Oh, that our head were waters and our eyes fountain of tears that we might weep day and night. For the slain of the daughter of our people, no mischief-makers are so powerful as deserters. None cause so much agony as those who have nestled beneath our wings and then have flown away to feed with carrion vultures on the putrid carcasses of lust and, and sin. But now let us pause. How is it that the minister has not forsaken his profession and gone back like a dog to his vomit and like the sow that has washed to her wallowing in the mire? How is it that the deacons of this church have not turned aside to crooked ways and denied the faith and become worse than infidels? How is it that so many members of this church have been kept so that the wicked one toucheth them not? O oh, beloved, I can say for myself, I am a continual miracle of divine grace. If thou leave me, Lord, for a moment, I am utterly undone. Leave, O oh, leave me not alone, still support and comfort me, said the poet. Let Abraham be deserted by his God, he equivocates and denies his wife. Let Noah be deserted, he becomes a drunkard and is naked to his shame. Let Lot be left a while and filled with wine. He revels in incestuous embraces, and the fruit of his body becomes a testimony to his disgrace. Nay, let David, the man after God's own heart, be left, and, and Uriah's wife shall soon show the world that the man after God's own heart has still an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Oh, well doth the poet put it, Methinks I hear the Saviour say, Wilt thou forsake me too? And now let our conscience answer, Ah, Lord, with such a heart as mine, Unless thou hold me fast, I feel I must, I shall decline, And prove like them at last. Oh, be not rashly self-confident, Christian man, be as confident as you can in your God, but be distrustful of yourself. Ye may yet become all that is vile and vicious, unless sovereign grace prevent and keep you to the end. But remember, if you have been preserved, the crown of your keeping belongs to the shepherd of Israel, and you know who that is. For he hath said, I the Lord do keep it, I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it, I will keep it night and day. You know who is able to keep you from falling, 
and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding great joy. Then give all glory to the King immortal, invisible, the only wise God, your Savior, who has kept you thus. Allow me one more contrast. Once again, let your, let your gratitude go with me. Since you and I have joined the church, how many who were once our companions have been damned whilst we have been saved? How many who were no worse than we were by nature have sunk into the lowest pit of hell? Conceive their unutterable torments. Imagine their inconceivable woes. Depict before the eye of your fancy their indescribable agonies. Descend in spirit for a moment to the gates of fire. Enter into the abode of despair where justice reigns supreme on her iron throne. Pass by the dreary cell of those who are everlastingly damned. And behold the twisting of that worm that never dies and the bleeding hearts that are crushed within its coils. Look ye at that flame unquenchable, and behold the souls that are sweltering there in torments to us unknown, and look if you can look, but you cannot look, for your eyes would be stricken soon with blindness if you could see their torments. Your hair should be blanched with with but a moment of that horrible exhibition. Ah, oh, while well, you stand then and, and think on that region of death, despair and damnation, recollect that you would have been there if it had not been for sovereign grace. You have a harp prepared for you in heaven, a crown laid up for you when you have finished your course. You have a mansion, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, why is it you are not already a, a fiend? Who is it that has given you a good hope through grace that you shall never come into that place of torment? Oh, tell it the wide world over. Tell it in time and in eternity. Free grace hath done it. Free grace hath done it from the first to the last. I was a brand in the fire, but he plucked me from the burning quenched me in his blood, and now he declares I shall be with him forever in heaven. But, oh, pause, brethren, and think that some of your former companions, some of the companions of your revels and debaucheries, are now in hell, and you are not there, and by the grace of God never will be there. Why this? Why this? Blessed be the Lord my God, from this time forth and forever. Praise ye his name. Grace has done it. Grace has done it all. No, I ne'er shall wear the chain. I ne'er shall be stretched upon that rack, nor feel that fire. But I shall see his face, and never, never sin. But from the river of his grace, drink endless pleasures in. But I most confidently proclaim that the reason why I shall escape and shall be glorified is not to be found in me, but in him. He hath made me to differ. I have nothing but what I have received. Now, what shall we say to these things? If God made you to differ, 
The first prayer we should now utter should be, Lord, humble us. Take away pride out of us. O God, forgive us that such beasts as we should ever be proud. We might have been with our father the devil at this very hour, had it not been for divine love. And if we are now in the house of our father, which is in heaven, shall we be proud? Avant thou monster, go and dwell with the Pharisee. Pride agreeeth well enough with the man who has in his own esteem been always virtuous. Go thou away and live with him who has had good works from the first day until now, but away from me. I am the chief of sinners, and saved by sovereign grace shall I be proud. It is not fit that thou shouldst live in my heart, thou monster. Be gone, be gone. Such mercy after such ill-deserving, but such God-receiving. Be gone, pride. Be gone. Another lesson, if God alone hath made us to differ, why may he not make others to differ too? After the Lord saved me, said one, I never despaired of anybody. And let us each say so too. If you were brought in, why not another? Will I will you ever give up praying for anybody now that you are saved? I once heard one say concerning his child, I can scarcely think she will ever be converted. Why, you have been pardoned yourself. And if the Lord can do that, he can do anything. I am sure if the Lord has brought me to his feet, there does not remain in the world a case that can ever equal mine. If he has brought me to receive his free grace, his sovereign love, his precious blood, and hath made me to love him, then there can be nothing too hard for him. O oh Lord, if thou hast melted this metal heart and dissolved this stony soul, thou canst break anything. If thou hast broken the northern iron and the steel, then what remains beyond thy power? Go back then, Christian, armed with this fact that God, who hath made thee to differ, can make anybody to differ. There can be no case beyond his strength. If he brought you in, he can bring all in. If he doth but stretch out his hand, no man need despair. Therefore, in the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Again, who hath made me to differ? Hath my Lord done it? Then let me serve him more than others. There was a question asked once by our Savior. What do ye more than others? That question might well be put to each child of God here present. My dear friends, we must not be content with doing as much as other people do. In fact, we must never be content with our doings at all but always be trying to do more for him who hath done so much for us. Should I give my body to be burned, my flesh piecemeal to the knife, my nerves to the rack, my heart to the spear? Yet should I not give him all that he deserveth? No, if I should pass through the horrors of martyrdom, if I were but a poor tribute to love so amazing, 
so divine it were. What are you doing, my friends? What are you doing, my brothers and sisters, for Christ? But I will not blame you. I censure myself if I censure you. That I will confess my own iniquities and leave you to confess yours. I do try to serve my master, but I do not serve him as I would. Each act that I perform is marred, either by lacking of prayer for a blessing upon it, by, by want of faith in my Lord, or by pride in looking back on it. I find too continually a tendency to serve myself instead of serving Christ, a constant longing rather to get through the work than to do it acceptably. And oh, when I think upon all, I, I say I'm an unprofitable servant. Have mercy, O oh gracious Lord, on my good works as well as on my bad ones. For my good works are but bad in the best and cannot be acceptable in themselves. I am certain some of you have a little more need to say that than I have. Let us cease boasting any more. I know there are some here who are not serving Christ. Some members in this church are doing nothing. You have not thought of doing anything for Christ, have you? Well, you pay your regular subscriptions. You do what you're told to do. But, but do you give to Christ secretly? Do you devote your substance to him when no one knows it? Do you spend your time for him? Have you chosen a sphere and have you said, This is my work. By the grace of God, I will do it. Oh, you cannot tell how much there is to do and how few there are to do it. I would I could have a church all alive, all active, so that there never would be a lacking but, but those who would be ready to supply. Never a work but those who are qualified would be ready to fulfill. Never fear, but we should find too many rather than too few, to aid its accomplishment. Oh, that we had the good spirit of the ancient church, the spirit to propagate our Christianity everywhere. There needs to be in many of the suburbs of London fresh gospel churches springing up. I can point to many places in my own vicinity, seven or eight, nine or ten in a row, where there is a chapel needed. In each place there are believers living who do not think about uniting to establish a fresh cause. But as long as their particular and peculiar wants are satisfied, by journeying a long way off perhaps, they may forget the hundreds and thousands who are pressing around them. Oh, there is much to be done. A very little time to do it in. A very few weeks. And those of us who have been loved more than others, those who of us who have thought we could wash Christ's feet with our tears and wipe them with the hair of our heads, will have no more opportunities for spreading the name and fame of our glorious Redeemer. Let us give our substance to his cause, give of our time to his service, and have our hearts in his love, and so shall we be blessed. For in returning Christ's love, we shall feel that his love is shed abroad more fully in our hearts and more fully in our understandings. May the Holy Spirit and his blessing upon these broken words, they have been broken because they've broken my heart, and therefore I could not help their coming out in a broken way. God accept them. And dear brothers and sisters, may he bless them to you 
by helping you to love him more, who is my hope, my joy, my consolation, my all. It's Charles Spurgeon from the New Park Street Pulpit, Volume 5, pages 297 to 304. Thank you so much for joining with us today. It's always good to have you here. When you're not here, I speak to the walls, and that's no fun. So thank you, and keep coming, will you? Um, we have other things on this site. Great preachers like Charles Spurgeon. We have lots of North Korea audios. I do hope that you'll look those up and find them and look at the photos about North Korea and plan to pray for them. These people, desperate need. I haven't updated recently because little changes there. The gospel is going in. God's people are being dealt with. We pray for them all the time, and yet the persecution remains. The, the sad things remain there. So pray for them. Study. We have a study on the Quran on this site, a study on Muhammad, a study of Bible end-time prophecy. We go through the whole Bible. We have commentaries, lots of books. Just click on store. You'll see what I mean. And then there's the blog that you can look at right here below. And I don't write it on every sermon, but uh, sometimes I do. Um, what else do we have? We have a weekly Zoom meeting for men. Just contact me, men. Tell me you're interested in, in being a part of a men's meeting that meets every Saturday night, 7 o'clock Central Time. That's Chicago time. And I'll send you an invitation when you send me that, in, that, that email telling me a little about yourself. It'll have a link, the one that I send to you, uh, to, to join us in, on Zoom. Get some help. Uh, maybe somebody will help you put that Zoom app on your phone or your computer. It's not all that problematic, really. You'll see. Get some help on that. We'd surely love to have you. I've got some great men that have joined me already looking for more. Well, God bless you. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we get to talk again real soon. Bye-bye.